0: Well hello everybody, <laughs> did you just do that sound automatically whenever I say anything? <laughs> you could have said hello, <laughs> uh, hello everybody and, and Gavin and everybody, And my name's uh, Josh, I'm really good to be uh, here with you this morning, I'm normally here um, each week but today I'm preaching so I'm nipping off after the service down to 10.30 as well so it's a shame we can't share morning tea together but next week. Anyway, it's great to be with you. Great to see you. Uh, We are looking at this uh, prayer of Paul uh, today. Let me start by praying uh, for us as we look at uh, what he's got to say. Our Father. We thank you that you give us your word in the Bible. We thank you that you uh, want us to know you. We pray that you'd help us listen closely to what you're saying to us today. Uh, Please help me to speak clearly, and please um, help us uh, to to grasp onto something new about you this morning. Amen. I wanted to um, talk to you about the idea of, of knowing someone, and I wonder who you would say in your life you know the best. Who is it that you know perhaps the most about or you feel closest to? It's a very special thing to know someone uh, really, really well. Um, Sometimes it's really exciting to get to know someone um, for the first time that you really want to know. I remember the time that Sophie and I, my now wife, um, first had like a coffee together. I just wanted to know so much about it. It was just like question on question, you know, what about your family? What are you interested in? You know, all these things. We talked for hours, just wanted to know more and more. I don't know if you've had that experience before. It's also um, really painful when you uh, perhaps lose um, someone that you know well or lose touch with someone uh, that you know well. Um, And uh, I think we know this in our uh, kind of, I guess, our human experience, how good it is to, to know someone well. Now think for a moment if there was someone who was like a million times more interesting than the person you're thinking of, more interesting than Sophie even, I know. It's possible, I think. Imagine if there's that person a million times more interesting and someone who you know is so wise and so kind and you know that they want you to know them, right? Would you want to know that person? That is who our God is and more. Uh, Today we're looking at this prayer for a new year, which is all about uh, knowing God. Um, The prayer you heard read earlier um, is from Ephesians 1. Um, and what you, what you pray often shows what you think is important, right? So what Paul prays shows what he thinks is important. The first thing he prays for here, the first thing he asks for in this prayer is to know God better. He wants those he's praying for to know God better. Knowing God deeply is a number one priority, he says, I keep asking that the Lord, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, these people are already Christians, right? These are people who already know God in one sense. Um, he starts uh, in verse 15 by saying, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, in the first part of chapter one, if you read back, Um, He's given a huge description of how God has brought these people to know him uh, by choosing them, by saving them through Jesus dying and rising again. And so he starts with thanks um, that these people he's writing to know him. And then the first thing he asks for them, well, people who already know him is to know him better, to know him more deeply, to really, really, really know him. So when you become a Christian... It's perhaps like knowing the ocean by just being in a small boat, right? Just kind of floating on top. You know that the water's there. Sure, you, it's right there in, in front of you. You can, you can see it. You know a fair bit about probably that little patch of water. But there's so much more than you can touch or see or even imagine at that point. So much more depth, so much more volume of water. This is life's big project to know God more and more and more. So, if knowing God is the best thing you could be doing, if that's the the, the number one, I guess, task for us, why why don't we um, perhaps spend as much time on it as other things? Perhaps sometimes we think, well, we know enough already. We know that the basics. Maybe that's enough. That's that's all we need to know of God. If that's the case, we're, we're mistaken. We're just on the surface. Maybe we'd rather know other things more or we'd rather spend our time doing other things. Perhaps uh, you're here today and you're not a Christian. Uh, it's great to have you, by the way, if that's you. But perhaps you've not even started knowing God yet. Now, the way to know and the way to start is to trust in Jesus as these people Paul is writing to have and then the journey to know him more deeply begins. Knowing God, it's, it's the number one thing Paul prays for, the number one thing we can be doing that's what this prayer shows us. If you're not convinced of that, if you uh, don't think it's, the, it's perhaps the number one thing, then this prayer is going to show us what knowing God means for life. Um, so we're going to get to that in a moment. But first, we have to see how you get to know God. Uh, I should mention, by the way, that there is an outline. If you want to take some notes down, um, you've got it there handily right adjacent to the passage. So follow along. Make some notes if you'd like. We're up to the the second point there. How to know God lights on. See, to know God, uh, you need God himself to show you who he is by turning the lights on uh, through his spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is what Paul prays for his friends. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And then he goes on, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It's interesting, this prayer actually isn't about or isn't isn't asking God directly uh, that these people would know him better. It's actually asking that God would give his, his spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you will know him better. This is talking about God working in us by his spirit to give us wisdom, uh, that is, I guess, how to live in the world in relation to him and uh, to give us revelation, to know who he is and what his plans are. And the next thing Paul says there is like the other side of the coin. He says uh, that the eyes of your heart uh, might be enlightened. It's as if it's dark, and then God's spirit of of wisdom and revelation sort of turns the lights on, and you can see clearly what's already there. So this prayer isn't for um, God to give us something that he's kind of been holding back, um, giving us something that we don't already have. This prayer is to realize what He's already given us. Uh, in uh, earlier in chapter one, uh, Paul said that Christians have every spiritual blessing uh, in Christ. It's realizing what you already have. Now, imagine for a second that um, you get a new iPhone for Christmas. I don't know if anyone—I'm not going to ask—but imagine if you got a new iPhone for Christmas. It comes in that like white little box. You think, great doorstop, this is going to be awesome. And you go put it by the kitchen door, the door doesn't swing in the wind, you think this is best Christmas ever. This is amazing, right? Imagine if you did that with a new iPhone. Most expensive doorstop ever as well. But imagine if you did that. Now, you've, you, you've not looked at what it can do. You've not realised that you can, you know, play games, send text messages, hunt Pokemon, like use the maps, well, all this kind of stuff. It's right there in front of you. You've, you, you've failed to appreciate what you've already got. Paul's praying that God's people would appreciate what they've already got, that they'd sort of see what it is that he's given us, that the reality would be lit up. So what is it he's already given us? There are three truths in this prayer about God, three things to see really clearly to know God better. Okay, The first is seeing clearly that he's got an amazing future planned. He says, uh, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Knowing God means knowing what he has in store for you. Uh, you, you trust Jesus, that's, that's faith, and then uh, hope is really uh, looking to the future. I heard it, uh, someone wrote uh, that I was reading during the week that um, faith is like Uh, Sorry, hope is like faith on tippy-toes. It's kind of like straining forward, looking what the future will bring. And so what is that hope? In summary, it's this. It's, It's life in all its goodness that goes on forever in the new heavens and the new earth, in the presence of God himself. That is an amazing hope for the future. That is so, so good. It's sometimes hard to grasp how good it is. It's almost feels like it's beyond us i'm in mean, the last bit of uh c.s lewis's narnia series he sort of tries to describe what's awaiting the children and they've had this great adventure and this is how he sort of tries to describe what's coming next he says all their life in this world all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page now at last they were beginning chapter one ...of the great story which no one on earth has read... ...which goes on forever... ...in which every chapter is better than the one before. Every chapter better than the one before. I mean, that's, that's hard to imagine, isn't it? But it is the, the hope that we have... ...and even though it is the hope we have... ...we find it hard to, to hope in that. We find it easy to, have, to hope in other things. When we look to the future it's often other things that kind of excite us about what's coming up. I wonder what it is that sort of excites you as you look to the future. If your hope is for making it in some way, making it, you know, getting to some uh, particular point in your career or life or achieving something or seeing something in particular, if that's your hope, then you'll drive yourself to exhaustion trying to get there. You'll be devastated if you don't and you won't be satisfied even if you do. If your hope is like uh, wanting to be liked or, or pleasing someone in particular, if that's kind of what you look for in the future, look forward to, then you'll rise and fall just on what they say. If you feel like actually maybe there's not much hope at all when you look at the future, then you probably will insulate yourself about thinking about the future, uh, you might uh, not want to think about it at all and um, you know, just keep consuming food or drink or entertainment or, or social media. But if your hope is in the security of a God who you know has called you and has promised amazing things for you, if you can see clearly that future that's been promised, uh, if, if you've read the, kind of, the pages of the Bible that contain those promises, you'll be free Free to make decisions for the long term. Free to make good decisions uh, that aren't, uh, I guess, a compromise. You'll know God. Knowing God means seeing clearly that he's got an amazing future planned. Now, at the end of each of these little sections, um, we're just going to spend a moment praying. kind of seems appropriate. We're looking at a prayer today. So I'm going to lead us in this first one. Let's, let's pray. Glorious Father, we find it so easy to hope for things that seem kind of within our grasp or that we think will satisfy us. But we know that you've promised us true life with you forever. Lord, help us to think about that more, to see it more clearly, to trust in your promise. Help us to know you more deeply. Amen. Okay, so that's the first area where the lights kind of need to go on. But knowing God also means seeing how much he values you, that he, that he treasures you. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. This is an amazing thought about God, that he values his people so highly, Inheritance might seem like a funny word to use here, but it means that from everything God has made, uh, there is one part that he's sort of set aside as particularly special for himself, that he treasures in particular. And I don't know what you'd set aside if you were God, but it's not a huge supernova. It's not like all the diamonds in the world. Like he could set aside any of that for himself as the most treasured possession, but it's, it's his holy people. What, what do you reckon is your most treasured possession? If you had to quickly leave like, and escape your house, what would you grab on your way out? You, okay, children, yes. If you've got children, that's taken for granted. What else would you grab? I did, uh, I did uh, some uh, research. I looked at a survey. I mean, survey's got to be true, right? And this survey said that the number one thing people want to grab on their way out, their most treasured, uh, treasured possession, family photos. Does that sound right? I don't know, maybe family photos. second thing was a wedding ring, and then a piece of treasured jewellery. Um, it's interesting. I don't know if that first one's changing now with digital photos. Number six on the list was laptop. So maybe that's going to like, we've got to grab the hard drive with the family photos on. I'm not sure. But it's interesting. Those things that people um, treasure, it's not, uh, they're not expensive things um, so much. They're things that um, you love because they're, they're yours. They're, they're special to you. You have a, a special affection for this thing, a personal connection might seem ridiculous, but we would be that for God. He wouldn't ever run out of a burning house, but if he did, he would grab us. That, that, that is ridiculous, until you realise that actually God's holy people are valuable because they've been made holy in Jesus. So when someone trusts Jesus, God sees that person as being in him. So God places this huge value on us Not because we ourselves are worthy of it, which also means we we can't lose it, but because we've been identified with Jesus. So imagine if you really knew that about God, if you knew that deeply about him, how much he values you because of Jesus. Then imagine how it would change when you feel insignificant in life, when perhaps people say to us things um, that that undervalue us, or uh, when we hear what people think of us, we know that because of Jesus, we're not insignificant to the One who matters. Or perhaps when we feel disappointment about something that hasn't worked out, or that we haven't achieved, and you know a relationship we failed in, something like that, we know that because of Jesus, we haven't disappointed the One who counts. Even though we might feel disappointed, He's not disappointed. If you're in Jesus. God sees you like he sees his very own son. He's not disappointed with you. This is key to knowing God better, seeing how much he values you. All right, so we're going to pause for prayer again now. And this time, I want you to just pray on your own, where you are, Um, just, I guess, Um, talking to God about this idea of him valuing you highly. So you could write something down if you want or just spend a moment praying on your own. If you're not a Christian, spend a moment just reflecting on what we've looked at so far. Amen. All right, so we come to the third thing that we need our lights turned on about. Knowing God means seeing his power to help I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. And then if you keep reading in that verse, Paul goes on to describe how great that power is. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that puts Jesus in heaven. It's the same power that is greater than any other power. This is some epic power, but but what does it do? It says it's for us who believe. What does it do? Should we expect to be able to zap lightning out of our fingers? That would be cool. But should we expect it? No, probably not. To work out what kind of power he's talking about, what it means that it's for us, we can look at how else he talks about power in this same letter. So I don't want to steal too much thunder from next week because we're looking at uh, the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 next week. But let me give you a couple of lines from that prayer. Paul there prays for people to be strengthened with power in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And he prays that they may have power to grasp how wide and long and high Christ's love is. So God has has power to renew the world, to defeat evil, to raise the dead, all these things. But here in this prayer, the power is to help us to know God better you might think, well, oh, that sounds a little bit underwhelming. And that's what I thought, I guess, when I first read this, when I realised, but this, this power is for us to do the most important thing that God has for us, to know him better. And this power is available for us to help us, available to help us have our inner person transformed to match who Jesus is, to live out knowing God as, it, as life's supposed to be lived. In this whole massive task of knowing who God is and how to live wisely, God doesn't just leave us on our own and say, you you know, you go and try to, you know, find out stuff about me. You try to know me as best you can. No, no, he's on our side. He wants us to know him. He wants to use his incredibly his incredible power to help us know him. Let's spend a moment uh praying around this together. And this time I've got some words that will hopefully come up on the screen and we can pray them uh, together. We'll just give it a moment. Here we go. Let's pray these words together. God of our Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your incomparable power that brought Jesus back from the dead. Please help us understand more and more how hugely powerful you are Help us see that this power is for us, that you long to help us know you and live for you. Amen. Well, he has great power for us. And as we sort of round out those uh, three uh, things to know about God and know about knowing God, I want to zoom back out to the beginning and remember that all of this is contained within a prayer. And that's significant. See, if this number one kind of priority in life is to know God more deeply and because, as we've seen it, to know him, he needs to show us himself, then we need to, to pray to him, to know him. We need to ask God to let us know him more and more. And in doing so, we actually get to know him more deeply. And so I just wanted to end by thinking about how we pray on, on three different levels. So first level, do you pray these kinds of things for yourself? Uh, we've done a little bit of that uh, this morning as we've been together, but uh, are you praying to know God more deeply yourself? Do you remind yourself of the hope that he has, uh, how much he treasures you, of the power that he's got for you to know him? So that's level one. second, the next question is, do you pray this for other people that you know? We held up some uh, paper before saying this is uh, what we might be praying for other people. Is this one of the things on your piece of paper? Praying for people here at church or in your small group or family to know God more. It's quite interesting that we've got this prayer in that Paul tells the people he's praying for what he's praying for them. I think it's quite interesting and I wonder what it would be like if we told each other more what we're praying for each other. And then the third level, do you pray this for Christians that you don't know? See, Paul's only heard about the faith of these people he's writing to. He probably doesn't know most of them personally. uh, And yet he prays for them. There's Christians across our city, across our world. Uh, When we hear of their faith, do we pray for them? When we hear of reports that come from our mission partners, for instance, are we praying this kind of thing for them So the number one thing that Paul prays for is for people to know God more deeply, to really, really, really know him. That is the most important thing that we can do and God longs for us to know him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you want to be known and thank you so much that you give us um, your spirit to light up for us who you are. Thank you. Uh, that you promise to use your power to help us, help us to just understand more deeply how hugely you value us because of Jesus, the amazing future that you have in store for us. Help us know you better. Amen.